This is the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show, episode number 75. I am Joe Sebelia. If you like this show, please do me a favor and make sure to follow us on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and you can now find us on YouTube. YouTube is just getting started, so uh, not much up there right now, but go ahead and subscribe over at YouTube, and uh, that way you can be updated once we get some stuff out there. All right, now on to this week's guest. My guest this week is guitarist, keyboardist Paul Taylor from the band Winger. It was great to talk to Paul about all things in his career, where he started, how he got started, how he joined Winger, and the years throughout up till today. I hope you enjoy this episode, and thanks for listening. Well, Paul, welcome to the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show. Thank you. We are recording, by the way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you're out in Tennessee? Yeah, I'm in Nashville. Now, why uh, is it and, why is it everybody goes to Nashville? Well, I moved there. Actually, me and Kip both moved here um, after it was uh, in 2002. We did a uh, we got asked to go out with Poison and Cinderella, and we hadn't been a band in seven years. And uh, Kip called me and said, "Hey, are you in? Everybody else seems to be into it." And, uh, but the problem was at the time, Kip was in New Mexico, I was in LA, Rev was in Pittsburgh, Rod was in Long Island, and Johnny was in Memphis. So we were going, wow, how are we going to do this? You know, and <clears throat> our old road manager, Rick Fulner, uh, lived here and he said, why don't you guys all come to Nashville? I've got a good place to rehearse. I can put a bunch of you up. And your first show's in Tupelo. It's, you know, like 100 miles from here. You can just jump on the bus and start the tour. So that made sense. So we all came out here. And in the two weeks that I was here rehearsing, I ended up just writing with all these people. And, um, you know, at the time I was doing a lot of writing for TV and stuff. And in L.A., you know, uh, despite everybody's best intentions, getting a right together is like everybody pulling out their calendars and looking a month ahead. And then right. the month happens and they all bail because they get busy. And so I was just writing by myself all the time. And I, you know, we got on the bus and after the two weeks of rehearsal here and I said, you guys are going to think I'm nuts, but I think I might move to Nashville. And Kip was like, you know, it's funny. I was thinking the same thing. So we were a couple of the first rock guys out here. I mean, the only other, you know, Michael Wagner was out here already. But, right. um, you know, of course, since then, it's a whole different story now. But Yeah, because it seems like every other person I talk to on this show is in Nashville. Yeah, yeah. I, I just saw that you had Ryan Cook on here. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I just, uh, we hang a lot, uh, you know. In the mornings we go to the same Starbucks and <laughs> we oh, all dude. pal around. That that's fun. Ryan's a great guy. Yeah, I good had a guy. good time talking to him. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. Well, listen. So I want to get to know you a little bit. Um, you know, kind of how you got into your your career, and then uh, you know, and just have a conversation. Yeah. Um, well. Uh, you know, the start of it all probably was just the piano that my parents had in their house and I would walk by it and sit and, you know, noodle around on it every day, just, you know, for a few minutes at a time. And pretty soon I was picking out little song melodies and stuff. And my parents were like, wow, you know, how are you playing those songs? And, you know, it's just one of those things where I had an ear and, uh, you know, but I was also very ADD and, you know, when it came time for lessons and serious practice an hour a day type stuff i just you know spontaneously combusted you know i couldn't i was like nope i want to just ride my bike to town you know right um, but um so i was doing that you know i i hung in as well as i could and i, I got where i could play you know proficiently and I, my reading wasn't great but uh and then my cousin married and in, uh, moved into our house and she her husband at the time was uh, Joe McDonald, who went on later to be Country Joe McDonald, you know, Country Joe and the Fish. And Joe at the time was just playing acoustic guitar and he had a jug band, but, you know, he was playing songs like Had a Dog and His Name Was Blue. You know? So I, <laughs> he, I was like, man, I want to play guitar like Joe, you know. So he taught me some chords and, um, you know, I started playing guitar and, uh, you know, that was kind of the thing. I, you know, I, I really enjoyed it, but I, you know, I always loved playing piano when I was 
you know, writing tons of ideas on piano and slowly just getting better over time, you know. And meanwhile, I had quit the lessons. I just couldn't, couldn't do you it. Know, I, I just couldn't do the routine practice thing. I was just bouncing off the wall when I was young. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, so but pian- anyway. piano was the <laughs> first thing you picked up, first musical instrument? What's that? The piano was the first musical instrument? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, by a couple of years. Okay. Um, but, you know, but I was young. I mean, I, you know, I started playing guitar when I was about probably eight, you know, and piano, I was, you know, starting to mess around with it, you know, probably six or five, you know? Uh-huh. uh-huh. <clears throat> so, it- uh, and then when I was in high school, I decided I was going to take a class for the year where you could pick any instrument you wanted and study it. And it was a big music room. They had a lot of music rooms and they had a lot of piano rooms. And, but I had decided I wanted to try to play violin. And so after about three weeks of not even being able to make a reasonable squeak (laughs) on it, I just went to the teacher. I'm like, Hey man, we've got all these piano rooms. Can I just, you know, study piano again? I, I know how to play a bit and I'll just, you know, and he goes, yeah, that's fine. So it was that year when I just, you know, every, you know, every day I'd go in there for an hour and I started really writing a lot of just ideas and, you know, that's when my playing got a lot better. Not that I've ever gotten to be, you know, like I tell everybody, I'm good enough to get the rock gigs. You know, <laughs> I'm, I, uh, if there's one regret I have in my life, it's that I haven't ever really studied and became a, a way better piano player. But, mm-hmm. you know, you, maybe you, that's what's in my future. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to ask, do you ever, uh, you ever think you uh, dig deep into it again? Well, yeah, I mean, I do actually have, you know, my sights kind of on that at some point, you know, when I slow down maybe in the next few years and, you know, maybe it'll just be something where I pick a year and really just go at it hard and heavy. But, um, you know, for now, like projects just keep coming up and I, you know, still got the winger shows going and, you know, been just doing a lot of different things. And so, you know, which is great. I mean, I, I and I'm honestly, I can't even believe I'm still going, you know, and <laughs> never expected <laughs> it. <laughs> if anyone had asked me, you know, 15 years ago, I would have said, oh, I don't know, man. It's, well, especially when the 90s hit. I right. mean, there was a point where we all thought we might be done forever, you know. Right. But, right. but um, you but, know, the Seattle Sound, you know, it had its heyday. It had its, you know, 10 years. And then, you know, starting the early 2000s, like when we did that tour with Cinderella and Poison, that kind of just kickstarted it again. And we were we were like, wow, there's a market for us again, you know, and it wasn't what it was, but, um, you know, it was made it where we could go out and still earn a living and have fun and do shows. And, you know, with winger, I mean, the, the fact, I mean, we're still going with all the same five guys. And I mean, yeah, you know, that's yeah. the success of that band is that we're all best buds. And now we just go out and have dinners and crack up. Cause of course, you know, I don't know if you know Reb at all, but he's the funniest guy you could ever be on tour with. So, yeah, yeah I, I, actually interviewed reb when he was in Dokken years ago oh, cool. long okay. long time ago it was on the erase the slate tour so when was that 2000 early 2000s oh, wow yeah that's a long time ago but it was him jeff pilson and mick brown all three of them together oh boy <laughs> and we were in this room it was like up on the second floor so that it was like a wooden floor and i back then i had this little tape recorder you know the mini tape recorders so I said, yeah. I said it right down in front of them on the ground and they kept stomping their feet because with that floor, it would knock the tape recorder over. Oh so, my God. so Reb was, uh, kept knocking the tape recorder over on purpose. That's <laughs> funny. funny. And of yeah. course, Jeff, Jeff's got that giant laugh. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Mick's always making jokes. So. Oh yeah. It was yeah, a good He's time. great. That, that, that trio of those three, I, I can imagine that that must've been a fun interview. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good time. But um, did you grow up in uh, California? Yeah, I grew up basically in the Bay Area. Um, at, when I was young, the, those first years, I was in Lafayette, right outside of San Francisco. And right. then in 1970, we moved up to Santa Rosa up in the wine country. So I finished school up there and then uh, started, you know, moving. It's like, I got, I got to move to L.A. and make it, you know. And, of course, I'd move down and come running home a week later because I ran <laughs> out of money. Um, but, uh, you know, I just kept at it. I was just always, you know, and starting in high school, I was playing in a lot of club bands and I was playing in the Embarcadero center up, you know, up on the, I can't remember what floor at a place called Barney's. I was playing, you know, doing shows in Alaska and Albuquerque, New Mexico. And, 
uh, you know, and I, I tell people it's funny because, you know, like, you know, I know guys like a lot of my buds, like Ryan and all the guys are like, man, I wanted, you know, when I was young, I just wanted to be a rock star. I wanted to be, and I just never even thought it was a possibility. I, I mean, really? I loved playing guitar and jamming to BB King records and, but I just never thought, you know, I was always trying to figure out what I was going to do when I got older. And meanwhile, I started playing all of a sudden I was playing clubs and all of a sudden I was booked for months and making a bunch of money, way more than I could have made in a day job. And I remember one day I was just driving. We had a, a gig in Fair, Fairfield or Fairfax, California. And I remember just in my car and just all of a sudden going, wow, is this what I do? <laughs> you know, it just it finally was that day where I'm like, man, I, I've got work for, you know, I'm booked way out and it doesn't seem to be ending. And I'm like, hey, maybe I can do this, you know. Yeah. So it just kind of found you. It did. It did. That's you awesome. Know? I mean, um, you know, like I always say, it's, you know, of course, past past the point where you have any talent, it's a, a lot of luck and timing involved in this biz, you know. Right. Right. So, you know, part of that luck didn't. Aldo Nova found you, is that correct? Yeah, uh, well, we kind of found each other. I mean, that was another, I mean, that's one of those luck and timing things. I just, I had, funny enough, I, I was in the Bay Area, and at the time, I was trying to put a band together. Well, we kind of did it. Uh, it was me and Troy Lucetta, which, funny enough, me and him are going to be recording again in the next week. Uh, nice. It was me, him, and a guy named Dave Notary that was the singer of a band called Mile High in San Francisco. And we had decided we were going to start a band. And so we, I moved down to Hayward, and we got this. We rented a big storage warehouse, and we built a stage, and then we got all these padding, and we got it all set to go. And then me and Troy both ended up with gigs. And I think his was actually the beginning of him getting in Tesla. I think, you know, but back then they were city kid, they were called, I think. Right. Yeah. I think so. But so it, it never really got off the ground, but you know, we had a good fun month of hanging out together and we wrote a couple ideas and all that. But, and then now funny enough, me and Troy are both here in Nashville, but. Right. Yeah. I had Troy on the show when I first started the show, I had him on. Oh, cool. Cool. I love Troy. He's a great guy. Yeah. So, so, and then, so how did you meet up with Otto? Well, so I was sitting down in the Bay Area doing that, and Aldo just blew into San Francisco, and I can't remember what brought him there because he was from Montreal. And so I met him at a party, and I, I think, you know, Kevin Carlson, who was the, ended up being the guitar player, was there. And I, I knew all these Bay Area guys from the, like, some of the bands, you know. Uh, was it Benny or the Jets and and um, God Rags and it was all these guys and so we were all kind of hanging out and so Aldo was there to put a band together so he had you know he found Billy Carmasi for drums and and Kevin and, and he actually put a whole band together and then they went in to rehearse for a week and he decided he didn't like whoever it was he had gotten on keyboards and so you know they all were like hey what about Paul and and we had met already and so. Yeah, that was it. I went down and, and you know, I, you know, he kind of had this little record under his arm and I, I was kind of going, is this guy for real? He's like, this is my record. It's going to be huge. And, but then I went into the rehearsal place and all the portrait label was there and all these guys. And I was like, wow, this is for real, you know? And so, uh, you know, they, so I got the audition that day and they were like, okay, we're flying you guys down to LA. We're going to do a video that was in 81. And so we were all like, what's a video. Right. And right. cause then, you know, MTV didn't come out till 82. Yeah. So they were like, Oh, it's these little things. Showtime plays in between movies and all that. And so we're like, all right. So we flew down there to do fantasy and ball and chain. And, you know, they basically kind of had to tell us, all right, just act like you're playing. And, you know, cause we'd never <laughs> really seen a video before. So we didn't even know what to do, but anyway, so yeah, yeah. it's funny. I, when I watch that video now, it just cracks me up just going, wow, we, we were yeah, clueless. That, that was a funny video. Is that, that's the one where the, didn't some guys have some guns or something? Yeah. Yeah. The, the laser at the <laughs> beginning, that was yeah. actually Lucas films did special effects for that. And if you look at it now, it's so hokey. I mean, Oh man. Yeah. You know, he shot it with his guitar or something, the door, right? Yeah. 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 He <laughs> blows the door open with his guitar, with his laser beam. And I mean, that was Lucas films. I think that did that for us. And I mean, it looks like a, you know, like a cartoon, but yeah. anyway, yeah. Nowadays you could, any kid oh, in his God. bedroom could yeah. probably go do that in his, on his computer. Yeah. And of course, you know, the amount of money we were all paying for videos back in those days, you know, 
150 or 250 thousand dollars and yeah uh, yeah you know and uh but it was funny like we ended up like with winger we did uh if you you know if you go watch our video can't get enough the video for can't get enough that was you know because each time we would have to do a video we would kind of scroll through reels and try and find somebody we thought was good and you know, there was a couple guys that we wanted but couldn't get. And But for that one, we had seen this guy's stuff, and we're like, wow, man, he has a distinctive look, and it's good. And so we ended up getting him, and it, it's Michael Bay, you know, who went mm. on to become a giant film guy, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. If you look, if you watch the Can't Get Enough video, and then you watch the movie The Rock, you know, he, he definitely has a distinctive style of, you know, he loves fan blades and helicopters and orange lighting and, you know, um, but yeah, it, it was amazing to get to work with him. And he was fantastic. I mean, the quality of that video, I mean, it looks like a Coke commercial or something, but he, uh, he, he wasn't super friendly to us, but he, he did a good job. Yeah. Did you like making videos? Uh, I didn't really. No. Yeah. I, don't <laughs> yeah, I never, cause I never thought. I never saw too many videos, the ends where I went, oh, that's really cool. You know, I, I did like our Headed for a Heartbreak video, um, you know, uh, uh, just, I don't know. I mean, it wasn't amazing or anything. I don't, um, it's rare that I'm blown away by videos, but um, but that one I, I liked. And, of course, I always liked the song, too, which helps. But Yeah. But, you know, around that time when you guys you know, were first coming out and everything, you had to have a video, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, you were pretty much, you know, that, um, and I mean, that's kind of what broke us because the record kind of came out and we were kind of stalled a little bit. And, uh, then, you know, we had this video and, um, I remember, you know, the label going, Hey man, you know, we need to amp up that, you know, play the plays on the, the video. And it, it slowly, you know, it was like the second or third week, all of a sudden things kind of clicked and took off a bit you know but of course we didn't come out till late 88 you know so mm. we we got in at the tail end of uh, you know when things were going to be good so um you know uh, i wish we had started early you know and got gotten in in the early 80s but you know it, yeah. it's all good but you got in there though yeah i mean at least we had a you know we had a pretty good two record run you know that 88 to 92 was all pretty good and then you know it was definitely in 92 we started just seeing you know the, the attendances and uh, plays and everything just kind of just everything was dropping and we you know we thought it was us you know but right. little do we know it's like nope <laughs> no. it's you know the 80s stuff is falling on its face for a while yeah it happened to everybody yeah you know it's, it's just the way it goes you know? yeah so Auto Novo, that was your first big break, right? Yeah, and I mean it was great. I mean, I you know I'm, uh, uh, I owe him one for that. I mean, it was a, a solid year on the road. Um, we went out opening for Hall and Oates like shortly after we did those video. They're like, hey, you guys are hitting the road, and the singles flying up the charts. So they put us up for three weeks with Hall and Oates, and That's in the fantastic. second week we were out. Billy Carmasi, the drummer, got the chicken pox. Oh so, no! So we got quarantined off the tour and uh, had to wait, waited out for him to get better. But by the time he got better, they had us booked on a, a quite a long tour with Blue Oyster Cult. Okay. So um, we went out and did that. And by then, the single was like number three on the charts, and we were, you know, opening for Sammy Hager and for you know Heart and all kinds of, you know, it was it was great. It was an amazing, you know, year, and it kind of helped me cut my chops to you know to learn how to you know be out on the road and all that but it was right. great were you just were you strictly doing keyboards or were you playing guitar also strictly keyboards on that one yeah okay and uh so i had a yeah yamaha cp70 with two uh uh oberheim obxas on top huh. and uh it was amazing i mean we opened for journey and triumph and blue oyster cult at the uh pasadena rose bowl sold out um nice. uh, for a july 4th concert i mean so i went basically from clubs and you know within a short period of time we did that gig and i, I just remember being like oh my god i mean um that you know i'd never even played anything really like a big show let alone you know seventy-five thousand people how nervous so that, were you that was fun what's that how, how nervous were you quite <laughs> but you know it, well, the other thing is, is that the band before us was Triumph, and they were having a lot of problems with sound on stage, and so I was going, "Oh my God, you know, 
I hope that doesn't happen to us. And, right. but we got out there and the second we started playing, everything sounded great. And, and, you know, I realized that it was way less stress playing a giant show like that. Cause the crowd was, you know, the first row was 50 feet out and 20 feet down. And it just looked like this little sea of people, you know, and I, where like when you're in a club, you've got that one guy sitting in front of you with his arms <laughs> crossed, with you know, with that smirk on his face. So you didn't get. It wasn't like any of that. It was just kind of like, wow, okay, this is easy. Yeah, but, yeah. No, I I agree. I I played in some bands and we played some big shows and then of course you know the clubs and playing the bigger shows is is much more comfortable. Yeah, play. yeah, yeah. But you you kind of feed off that energy too, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I mean these days I actually really like playing this. When we just like we did the Token Lounge up there in uh, is that Michigan or um, somewhere up there recently, and it's just a small little place with a low ceiling, and mm-hmm. everybody's packed in there, and we it was really fun to just play a nice little intimate intimate show like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. So you do this uh, with Aldonova, and then when you get off the road. Is that when you hooked up with Alice Cooper or what happened there? Yeah, it was shortly after that. Um, Aldo, we stopped and then he called me for one final New Year's show uh, with Hart up in Seattle. And then that was that. And, uh, you know, he went off to do a new record. And in the meantime, I, I got uh, a call to do the Alice thing. And I was like, wow, you know, Alice Cooper and uh, it was this girl who had seen me from the Alice tours and she's like, I've been trying to track you down. We need very badly. She goes, you play guitar too. Right. And I go, yeah. And she goes, we need a guitar player, a keyboard player for Alice and somebody that can sing some backups. And I go, yeah, I can do all that. And she goes, well, <laughs> if you want the gig, she goes, we don't really even have basically anybody else to audition. So, what? you know, uh, it come down to LA and, you know, you know, go ahead and audition, but you know, it's a pretty good shot. You'll get the gig. So, <laughs> I I learned like five songs that they sent me and I went down and, uh, you know, I've told this story before, but Alice came walking up and I'd gotten there really early and he's like, Hey, are you the guy auditioning for keyboards? And I go, yeah. And he goes, does your name start with a K? And I go, no. And he goes, okay, you got the gig. And I'm like, why? And he goes, well, I've already got a Kip, a Ken and a Kane. He goes, I don't want any more K's. You, <laughs> you, and you didn't even play a note? Uh, no, I, well, then we went in and he goes, do you know 18? And of course, 18 is like, you know, three chords <laughs> on an organ. And, you know, and so we played half the song and he stopped everybody. And he's like, you got the gig. It's not rocket science. He goes, you play guitar and sing, right? And I go, yeah. And he goes, yeah, you're, you're great. You, you got it. Wow. Like, you, you had. To I, be- said, I told him, I go, I, really? Because I know four other songs. And I go, you know, he goes, nah, it's not rocket science. So. Anyway, I, I was blown away. I, yeah, you, know, I mean, you had to be I thinking, mean, this can't be real. Yeah, it was crazy. And I mean, and super fun. And, um, you know, of course, that's where I met Kip. And, you know, it was a few days into it. You know, I was got there early for rehearsal. And Kip was sitting in the hall with a boombox playing some stuff. And I'm like, man, that's pretty cool stuff. What is that? He's like, oh, some stuff I wrote. And I was like, well, who's singing? And he goes, me. And I'm like, you know, I was like, wow, dude, you got a great voice. So. We when we hit the road, I said, God, I, I would love to write some songs with you. And so we started writing, and you know, we had a little insonic keyboard. We would sequence stuff out in hotel rooms, and yeah, the rest was history. You know, we we were out two years with Alice, and Kip was like, Hey, I'm I'm gonna quit and go get us a record deal. You know, and I'm like, Well, don't quit. Like, what if you don't get the record yeah, deal? You know, and he's like, No, I'm pretty sure I can pull this off. And sure enough, you know, I was with Alice in London at one point, and I was at a party for Love Hate. And, Kip called and was like, hey, you know, we got signed to Atlantic. And I'm like, wow. So, <laughs> so, so you get you get signed to Atlantic, like everything's just falling in your lap. It, well, those days, yeah. I mean, it, it was crazy. I mean, I had a, a definitely a good run of things just going one to the next to the next, you know. Um, and you didn't even so, want this at the beginning. Well, not that you didn't want it. You weren't sh- shooting for it, right? Well, if anyone said like, "Hey, you know, <laughs> would you would you want to go out there and rock and tour and kind of, I would have been like, "Oh my god, yes." I mean, uh, you know, I mean, I but I just in the back of my mind, I just wasn't overly confident that I was going to pull that off as a lifestyle, you know. Yeah, okay. Okay. I remember uh driving down the 101 cuz you know, we're all Bay Area guys. There's a bunch of us that ended up coming out of there, you know. Uh, 
uh, like on Gary Peel, who I was actually on the phone with today that ended up playing in Boston and, um, you know, the night Ranger guys. And then, so I was driving down the one Oh one and I see Jeff Watson goes driving by me in this nice BMW, you know, cause night Ranger was starting to take off. And I remember just thinking, God, that must be nice, you know? And, but I just never thought, yeah, that'll be me or, you know, right. I don't know. Yeah. What was, what was your first impression of Kip when you met him? Do you remember? Uh, Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, Kip is very dry uh, yeah. to this day. And I mean, you know, whenever we, you know, go to say something that he said, anybody in the band, we all have our things where we mimic him. And, you know, it's the joke. I mean, he just, uh, you know, he just has one of those personalities that's just he's very, you know, he's always in his head you know like if you ask him a question there's like about usually a five to ten second delay because he's you know he's usually orchestrating a new piece or like you know and then he'll look at you and go what you know <laughs> so uh yeah he it took a while for me to get used to his vibe but once i understood like okay he doesn't hate you it's just you know that's just it's his so thing is, he's just yeah. got that personality and you know uh you know we're, we're super close i mean that's awesome but yeah, I think he gets misread a lot because he mm -hmm. just isn't one of those people. He just doesn't turn it on for anybody. He, you know, which I envy, you know, uh, he doesn't feel the need to be overly this or that. He just is who he is. And that's just his personality. And, um, but you know, the guy is like the most talented musician I've worked with in the business. Yeah. You know, he just is, I mean, between the, the, the body work he's done from his solo records to the records to the Get Jack musical to the symphonies. And, you know, now he's writing a string quartet for the lead violinist of the Nashville Symphony. I mean, the guy is just a mm. genius. And I guess you won't be playing violin on that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even going to try. No. Yeah. Kip, Kip. I never picked up one since, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never met. Well, actually, I did meet Kip. I, I met you, too, before at a Specs Music in Florida. You guys were doing an in-store. I saw okay. you guys with, uh, who'd you play with? Cinderella and Boiler Boys, maybe? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah. A, that was a fun tour because all three bands, we were at the top of our game. That was just an amazingly fun tour. And all three bands, we got along just really good, and we would all jam together at the end. It was great. Yeah, yeah. But I never, I never got to interview Kip or, or sit down and talk with him. So, but I always thought he was, you know, amazing musician. Just like you said, very talented. Well, it's funny too because a lot of times people would watch the videos and go, "Oh my God, Kip Winger can't even play the bass. Look at him; he's not even playing." And I mean, the video directors would go, don't worry about your instruments. Just focus on the camera and rock out. And so, you know, yeah. he was just trying to be a performer like we all were back in the day. And, you know, so I was reading all these things about him. And I'm going, God, if you guys only knew who you're calling a no talent bum. I mean, right. he's a uh, super, super talented guy. Well, we have um, Bo Hill is a friend of mine also. And he was oh, cool. saying how... Uh, you know, how talented you guys were, Winger and Kip, and, and you guys were just a very talented, amazing band. Well, yeah, I mean, I, you know, gosh, I mean, when you, you got Rep Beach and Rod Morgenstein, and, you know, uh, it, it was just a good blend, you know, and I mean, obviously the fact that we're all just still hanging out and having fun, I mean, uh, it's it's been an amazing venture, you know, and the cool thing is, too, you know, we've all got all these other projects going, you know, kipped with the symphony stuff and Reb is in white snake and John's in starship and, you know, Rod doing Morgenstein Rudis and, you know, jazz is dead and teaching at Berkeley school of music. So, yeah. you know, we've been a, a busy bunch of guys, but, um, you know, so it's great. And it's great. I, you know, we're all pinching ourselves that we're still hanging out and having fun and, you know, yeah, so. yeah, I mean, you can't ask for much more. That's, that's yeah, awesome. the hard part is just, you know, getting our schedules all together, you know. that's mm -hmm. it's, it's rough to be able to squeeze these gigs in when we know, like, okay, we can do that, we can do this week, we can do, you know. But uh, it's you, been cool. Do you do mainly fly-out dates? Right now, yeah. And I, I got to tell you, those are, you know, they wipe us out. I mean, they're hard, and especially with the fact that all the flights right now are getting delayed and canceled. And we have had our fair share yeah, of that lately. So, um, you know, we're on our last three gigs. We've got uh, next week we're 
we're in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and then we're in Denver, and then back for a couple of days, and then we're doing Waterloo, New York, which is up in the Finger Lake area. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, those are they're tough, man. Like when you know, especially when you've got layovers. And I mean, me and Kip flew out to do a show in Sacramento about three months ago, and it ended up taking me and him 14 hours to get from Nashville to Sacramento. Oh, I mean, I was like, we could have flown to Tokyo by now. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go play, play Tokyo. <laughs> yeah, but um, anyway. Anyway, but so speaking of Bo Hill, he kind of got you guys started, right? Yeah, well, he was the only reason at the time that we got signed because – Kip had made several attempts, I think, with demos and stuff and walking into Atlantic with Doug Morris and all that. But by the time that things, you know, because Bo had been working with Reb and Kip, you know, uh, he was producing stuff and using Reb and Kip on things like, you know, the Bee Gees and Chaka Khan and Mm -hmm. um, Roger Daltrey's record. And so those guys were playing on all kinds of stuff for Bo back then. And uh, but so once we finalized some of these songs that me and Kip had written and Reb and him had written some and we did numerous demos um, and then, you know, but having Bo, because by then Bo had had some success with Rat and all that. And so, you know, he was the firepower, you know, past the fact that we finally did have a pretty good demo, mm-hmm. um, you know, but I, I don't think, you know, and maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think it would have happened without him. But mm-hmm. uh, well, I mean, you guys were a talented band. You had good songs, you know. Um, are you happy the way that album came out, looking back on it? The first one? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I you know, in the day, I, I thought, wow, man. I Once it was done, I thought, this is going to fly. I, You know, because I, I, I just thought we had our own slot and, a, and a, you know, an original enough sound and an amazing guitar player and, you know great vocals and i i don't know i i was pretty sure you know i was going to be surprised if it didn't take off at least to some extent mm-hmm. so okay it, it didn't take off right away did it it took a while it did you know it had it just kind of stalled for a little bit and then uh like i say when the video kicked in and we had a friend rick krim over at mtv and you know they were real good about getting us on there and you know but yeah it, it's you, you never know. I mean, I've seen some good records just not go for some reason, just like, you know, some of my friends that I thought were going to be the ones that for sure were going to be have a giant music career because they were so incredibly talented. And just for some reason or another, the cards didn't line up for them, you know, mm-hmm. you see that a lot. So, so you never know, you know? <laughs> yeah. So the first single off the first record, was that 17? No, it was Madeline. That's right. Madeline. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let me ask you this. So at this point in your career, is it a little weird to play 17 right now? <laughs> uh, for me, it's very weird. Yeah. yeah I, would, I, I, would I won't think speak so. for anybody else, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I always, you know, I always wondered that. It, so I was like, like I'm the ask fans you. love that song. That's always the one that everyone wants to hear. It's just, it's an infectious groove and all that. I, I'm sorry the lyrics are the way they are, but you know, it, like you can't, you can't go back and rewrite, you know, we were a lot younger and, you yeah. know, of course all the bands, you know, Alice had 18 and the Beatles had 17 and, you know, just, you know, yeah. it is what it is. And, uh, you know, um, yeah, you yeah. just, you know, thankfully we have, we've got plenty of other songs that are, you know, don't have that kind of a problem, you know, embedded yeah. in them, but yeah. I just thought I'd ask that. I always wondered that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, sometimes we change the lyrics up. You know, she's only 45, which, you know, oh, just yeah, that... to kind of make light of it and just, you know, yeah. go, look, we get it. You know, we're older and it's kind of, you know. But, that's funny. you know, the fans just want to hear it. And so, you know. Right. So when when you guys came out, amazing musicians, you had great songs, Um but then you still had some haters out there. Oh, well, right? everybody does. I mean, and we probably got, you know, more of it than, you know, just like, you know, we were the early, you know, Nickelback, you know. And right. I, I never thought about I don't, that. You one. know, I don't understand why everybody goes after Nickelback. I think they've got some amazing sounding records. Yeah. Um, and they're just a rock band. They're just a bunch of guys trying to make some music. And I, 
I don't know how it gets going where all of a sudden one band gets singled out like that, and, you know, or like we did, but you know, you just keep going. And I mean, you know, I do believe like there was a lot of people that at one point didn't think we were, you know, and look, if you watch the old videos they're corny and all that. So, but I, we've had just tons and tons of people like from the cruises we do and all the shows later, I can't even tell you how many people come up and go, man, I never saw you guys before and you completely just spun my head around. Like, you know, I, I kind of was expecting you guys to be wimpy and crappy and, uh, you know, you guys blew me away. I mean, our, our live show is good. I mean, yeah. and one thing I will say, I mean, we're all singing. I mean, there's no tapes, there's no nothing. Winger, the vocals are really, you, you know, we have our bad nights, but for the most part, they're pretty spot on and we're all doing it, you know? So, yeah. um, yeah, because I remember back in the day, I mean, there was some conflict there with, uh, well, I don't know if there was actually conflict, but Metallica had a little incident in one of their videos. Um, yeah, yeah, and you know what? They have called, and, and those guys and Kip had great conversations, and just, they were like, hey, man, you know, we shouldn't have done that, and, they, yeah. uh, you know, they're, you know, they they all made up and are buds, so yeah. uh, more, no, more power to them for that. That was a real very cool of them and so yeah it all works out i mean everybody grows up i mean you know yeah. a lot of the 80s bands we were all probably a bunch of cocky little young guys but you know that's <laughs> uh, i was just talking to somebody today you know it's it's just it's fun now like uh where we'd all go out and it was a big competition before now we all go out and it's just one big family and we're all just really happy that to see any of us that are still out and able to do it you know of course you know we've lost a lot of guys along the way to whatever you know just illness or drugs or alcohol or whatever and so you know uh, mm. at this point we're all just happy to be playing <laughs> yeah no it's great to see that too somebody else told me that i forget who told me that but they kind of described it the same way yeah but. it well it is and you know on the like when you know we when every year now when we do the monsters of rock cruise or whatever everybody gets on the bus like hey you know and it's like you know uh, everyone's having a lot of fun together now and i you know that it makes it all the better yeah yeah um so after you toured for your first record then you guys came back with a follow-up that was just as good as your first one maybe even better did that sell better than the first one no it sold half, half. But by then okay. we were you know it was into the 90s by then so right. you know um and and you know i mean we were starting to get into you know we wanted it to be even more progressive than it was but the label wasn't in for that so we canned a couple of the other progressive tunes and you know stuff like rainbow and the rose and all that and um you know uh so yeah it sold half but i mean we were you know it was still it's, the first one sold two million the second one sold a million so it right. was still re it was good you know we were happy like it was like man you know it's still selling some records and so you, you had how many what two or three hits off that second one uh, let's see. Right. I'm starting to forget what's on what record <laughs> anymore, but yeah, I mean, you know, all together, I mean, I think we had, we did like seven or eight videos and singles, you know, hungry and can't get enough and easy come, easy go. And, mm. you know, just, um, there, we, you know, uh, Madeline and miles away, and, you know, I know, we had a good number of singles and, um, you know, it's mm. all good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now you had um, you wrote Miles Away, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Did you have that song around a while? Yeah, yeah. It was one I had written a lot, lot, you know, years before, and you know, Kip tells the story on stage these days. But yeah, I had written it, and and uh, I was playing with Eric Martin for a while in Bay Area. You know, we were all, you know, it was one of those Bay Area things. We were all, you know, always playing in different bands with different guys, but. Um, I was doing some shows with him and, you know, so I just happened to write it. I didn't know how to record very well. And I actually still have the demo of it, of him singing. And um, he sounds amazing. I mean, his performance just sold that song to the point where everybody, I mean, I almost, I got a publishing deal out of it because people were like, oh my God, that's a hit. And then, you know, it got given to heart and, and somebody else, um, so, I don't know, different people and, but then meanwhile, I, I got in Winger and Kip's like, oh my God, I want to do that song. So uh, wow. I was like, well, fantastic, you know. Um, so I just yanked it and, and uh, we did it. And So was uh, everything and, the same, the lyrics, the melody, everything? 
What's that? What was it the same song, like the melody and the lyrics? Oh yeah. Okay. We stuck right to they you know, he's like, Yeah, we're not changing anything on it. So wow. um Yeah, I and mean, we actually and funny enough, Reb even copied my guitar solo from the demo because he liked it so much. He goes, Dude, that is just it's simple, it's melodic, he goes, It's perfect for the song. So um, I was flattered about that. That's awesome. Now, yeah. writing the rest of the Winger songs, did you guys all contribute to that, or was there a main songwriter? Uh, the, let's see. On the second one, we we were we wrote a lot of that record live. We we were jamming at mates' rehearsals in L.A., and so we you know. Um, but I mean, keeping up with you know, Reb can just like he's just a constant barrage of great guitar riffs and uh and kip is so good at organizing them into songs so i you know i I didn't have as many as those guys did but um you know i uh yeah i had a fair amount on the second one i got like four or five songs that i was part of on that one Mm -hmm. so and then after that um that was you know i I had just left the band and then they decided to break up literally like three months later um, after that. Why did you leave? Um, I think just because me and Kip were just kind of, we had been four solid years, like nonstop with Winger and we'd just gotten off of two solid years. So we had had six years of just not even getting a second to be apart. And we we weren't fighting, but we were just kind of like, we would just stare at each other and it was just like, you know, and, and, you know, we, it was becoming pretty obvious that, that the band was having problems with ticket sales and all that. And I was just burnt out. I just mm-hmm. was like, man, I am tired. And I, I wanted to, in my head, I was like, man, I want to get some recording gear and I want to sit and I want to start really concentrating on writing. And uh, so, you know, and we talked about it. And so I said, well, I'm going to take Ray. And then it was like, literally, a couple months later that they came to town to play a show at the Ventura theater. I was living in LA. And so me and Kip and Rev went and sat in Jerry's deli and they're like, Hey, guess what? I'm like, what? And they're like, we're breaking up. I was like, what? So, you know, they said, yeah, it's just, you know, nothing's, you know, the sales are down. Couldn't do it without you. So, (laughs) yeah. So, and that's when I, I, Decided, okay, well, I'll just write, and I, that's when I just luckily fell into the whole Steve Perry phase of my life, which uh, was amazing. Yeah, how'd that all come about? Well, my friends, uh, uh, Cindy, that works for Fan Asylum, had come to L.A., and I had a buddy that was having an art party one night, and she was at it, and I was like, we were just talking and having some wine and looking at the art, and I just said, hey, you know, what's Steve Perry doing these days? Cause you know, he'd been out of journey for eight years and she said, funny you should ask. He, he's thinking about putting something together. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I go, Oh my God, me, me, you know, <laughs> just kidding around. And, uh, long story short, he called me the next morning at six 30 in the morning. Um, and by seven 15, he was standing in my kitchen having coffee with me and I played him some stuff and he liked it and I'm kind of, you know, simplifying it all. But I mean, it was unbelievable. I, I, I was standing in my kitchen, like kind of just, I couldn't even believe it. (laughs) Um, um, because I mean, I'm a Bay area guy. I mean, I I was, I'm a huge journey fan. I think there's, they write and have written some amazing songs. And so, yeah, we, we just started jamming and, you know, uh, slowly but surely the band fell together and you know and he said hey i want to do a record you know so we kept writing ideas and it was a three-year long thing of being in um uh rehearsal hall in in la and we would just keep working on different ideas and finally we started writing lyrics and getting it all you know so we put the record out and went and did a two-month tour and it was amazing is that one of your highlights of your career it's probably the, you know, uh, just because I'm such a fan of the songs, um, you know, Neil and Jonathan and Steve. I mean, uh, they just they wrote very melodic stuff, which I'm a huge fan of. And I love Neil's guitar playing. And, um, you know, um, yeah, it was just <laughs> there was a few times while we were out on thin, I kind of looked over and I'm like, you know what the hell you know because yeah, yeah. i mean i was when they were you know really doing good i saw him a day on the green and all that and of course i had opened up for him that one time where i was like god 
you know, they're amazing. And um, that the day I opened up for them with Aldo, they played uh, separate ways for the first time. And I was like, wow. holy cow, that's an amazing song. And But yeah, so that was an incredible period of time. And then when we finished that up, you know, Steve just went back into kind of just and retreated back, you know, and, and stopped touring again. And it was uh, quite a while before he came out and did one. He still owed the label one last journey record, which he went and did that. And, and then he disappeared again. So, um, sad. I, um, you huh. know, so you don't, you, I'm sure you don't talk to him anymore. Well, we kept in touch for quite a while and, and then it's just, you know, you, you get busy and kind of just, uh, go your own ways, you know? So yeah. I, I've, we've checked in every once in a while, but yeah, I, I think he's putting out some kind of a Christmas album this year, though. So that's cool. Okay. He's, he's, okay. Those always seem to do well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe you should do a Christmas album. No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have it in me. <laughs> uh, um, so after Steve Perry, then what did you do? Oh, gosh. Let's see. After Steve was, let's see, 90, I went and did a quick Oh, actually, I, I went back with Alice for a while. I was on and off with Alice in between all this crazy stuff. So I, I played with Alice on and off for 13 years. But um, oh, wow. so I did some shows with him. Um, then I did a month long. Actually, at the end of one of my little Alice jaunts, we were at the House of Blues in L.A. And Tommy Shaw showed up and he said, hey, are you guys? I heard you're finishing a tour, this tour in a couple of days. And I said, yeah. And he said, I have a tour coming up in two weeks and I could really use a guitar player, a keyboard player. You, do you want to do it? It's for a month and, and it's opening for Leonard Skinner and Peter Frampton. So I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. So I, I went and did that and it was an absolute blast. And Tommy's a sweetheart of a guy and super talented and an amazing singer. And, so it was just super fun. Me and him were both really into cameras at the time. So we were out, you know, doing photos and all that. And uh, funny enough, he now lives literally a mile down the street from me here in Nashville now. Nice. But, uh, so I did that. And then I did some shows with John Waite, uh, which was uh, also amazing. Uh, huge fan of his voice. And then, gosh, that took me into like almost... Yeah, that that was almost into the early 2000s. And so and then I had just a couple of years where I was working on TV stuff and no tours until that 2000 tour, t 2002 tour with uh, oh, yeah. Cinderella and Poison. So tell me about yeah. the, the TV work, because, uh, you know, again, a lot of the people I talk to on the show have gone that direction. Yeah, well, you know, at, at this point in the game, it's if you're trying to get a song in TV, it's, you know, you need to have a lot of songs because mm. everyone decided they were going to do that. But fortunately yeah. I had a 20 year jump on everybody. Uh, you know, Mark Ferrari uh, is the one that got me involved in it. And me and him and a couple guys in LA started, you know, just frantically writing back in the day. I mean, Mark was the first guy to kind of take TV music and make it from elevator music you know he was the one that kind of started going hey i'll give you songs that could be good enough to be on a record and it just slowly took off and i mean right. um long story short i mean you know over the years i mean i've i've written over 300 songs now for just for tv and wow. you know the mailbox money on them is great and you know but the stuff that i've done over the last years there's so much competition and all those libraries, those music libraries, they all got bought out by Warner Chapel and Universal. Um, so I was writing for Universal over the last couple of years and stuff. But, you know, uh, it, and it's fun. And I, I love it because I get to write all kinds of wacky different stuff, you know, from sports type stuff to R&B to pop to, you know, blues. Um, I've done a lot of blues and Motown and R&B stuff for them. And I love doing that stuff. And, you know, I always go have to go out and find different singers to you know which of course in this town is not hard to do they're right. everywhere and they're just amazing talent around here so yeah uh, but i've kind of cooled it with that just because they've they're requiring much more from you per song you know where it used to be hey give us the song and then give us a non-vocal version now it's they want all these different splits and edits and you know a mm. 10 second and a 15 second and a 30 and a 60 and and sometimes those edits can take you a long time because they have to be seamless and 
have to have a proper intro and outro and it's difficult. So it's a lot of work and the placements just, you know, don't make it worth it anymore because there's so much competition. Mm. Does it, um, now do they come to you and say, Hey, we need a song that sounds like this. And then you have uh, to come up yes, with it. we need a song that sounds like this, but don't make it sound anywhere near that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I finally just told him, hey, you might want to just tell us a general style and quit making us listen to certain songs and go, yeah, we need something like this, but don't make it in the same key. Don't have a singer that sounds like it. Don't use the same instrumentation. Don't, and I'm like, look, just tell me the style and I'll just pump out some songs in that style, you know? That seems pretty challenging. Is it challenging or is it pretty easy? It for can you? be. It can be. But I mean, you know, like, I, I, there, in the whole time I did it, I only had three songs turned down because they got nervous that something sounded too much like something. And it was worth paying attention to because. You know, a couple of the other writers I worked with ended up getting sued by Led Zeppelin over something, you know, and it was ridiculous because, I mean, they may be, you know, these songs don't make great, huge numbers of money. And, you know, they Led Zeppelin sued them, I think, for like $500,000. And they ended up settling for like, I think, 75000 And I mean, they were like, guys, you know, we didn't make any big money off this song, you know? Yeah. Um, so you got to be very careful not to, you know, Yikes. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I was always pretty careful. And there was times where they just were like, you know what? You didn't step on melodies or anything, but it's just the essence of it is too, you know, you came too close. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm all good for changing it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I did not, never wanted to get sued. So let's go back to winger now. So you got back together with those guys. Right. Yeah, you know, over well, over the last years, I would, you know, Kip would call and go, hey, can you do this show or that show? Because, you know, for a while, I mean, some of the small clubs just weren't paying very much. And so to have five, all five of us doing it, it wasn't worth it. So he would call for the cruises or for the for the M3 festivals or the bigger theater shows. And I would just kind of step in and do those. And then they would just go off you know they're self-sufficient without me because kip can switch over to keyboards and what and you know john roth can play bass so um you know that's what we were doing for a while and then over this last couple of years you know he just started dragging me in more and more and uh for this last year he's like hey you know can i can you just jump on board for this year and i'm like yeah sure so you know um and it's been amazing we've been having a lot of fun has it been challenging this past year with everything going on? Well, it has. And, you know, slowly but surely, you know, one by one, we all have been getting sick. You know, a few of us got sick when we weren't on the road. I got sick when we were. And mm-hmm. uh, so did Rod, where we were, you know, we had to you know, cancel a few shows to, to do the right thing and stay away from everybody. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I, I had, they put me in a rent-a-car and I had to drive 14 hours straight home. Um, you know, because I had tested positive. So, you know, just did the right thing and went home and sat in a room for 10 days. And, but it was about the second day in, I realized, Hey, I can go out and get in my car and go, go for drives. So just to (laughs) keep my sanity, you know, I would hang out in the morning and watch some TV and stuff. And then midday I'd get my coffee and jump in my car and just go for a drive in the country each day. So, yeah. So did you get sick with it or no? No, no. I mean, I did get vaccinated, obviously, because I was out doing a lot of shows. I'm going to be around, you know, and we cut all the backstage stuff and all that. But you're still you're on flights and you're, you know. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, so I know like both me and Rod basically felt like we had a runny nose and a cold. I mean, I didn't run a fever. I didn't um, I felt fine. Um, So that's good. I I got it, you know, and uh, I was sick as shit. I'll tell you, I, I missed about three, four weeks of work. Wow. But that was before I got the vaccination. I got it. But, yeah. But yeah, it was bad. It was bad. So I'm glad to hear you didn't have to go through that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was fairly easy. Yeah. So you got, you got shows coming up. How many more shows you got lined up right now? Is it a lot? Uh, we only three? have, no, we only have three this year. Um, and then we're, we're done. And then we've got a few in the early part of next year. There's that showdown in, um, 
Florida, and then that's about all I know about right now. So, um, is that the one yeah. in the Keys? It's that four day show down in the yeah, Keys. Yeah, that, that looks like it'll be a fun show. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, are you planning on making another record with Winger? Yeah, we. It's almost done. Nice. Any release yeah. dates or what you shoot? Any any dates you're shooting for to release it? I, I have no idea. I mean, Kip is so busy right now. He's just trying to squeeze out, you know, getting getting things mixed and, you know, the final vocals and stuff. Um, Rod came to town uh, like three weeks ago and did drums. And Reb's been kind of, you know, he had done some solos, but then he wanted to redo some. So he was in town doing those. And mm-hmm. uh, me and Kip spent a day uh, going down and putting the final keyboards recently. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So you guys fun. recorded it like in a live room you didn't do it virtually like a lot of people have done Uh, oh yeah no we well it was a little of everything i Mm. mean john roth did his guitars in memphis and and i did do some keyboards on my own and sent them to kip but you know the the final part we just i just said hey why don't you just come over and that way i don't because with keyboards there's a gazillion sounds and ways you could do something and so it's just kind of like uh you know, I'd just rather have him there where he can immediately go, no, or how about this sounder, you know? So we just kind of flew through everything and it was, it made it a lot easier having him there. Mm-hmm. What, if you had to choose one, what would you choose? Keyboard or guitar? Oh my God. I, they <laughs> see, that's a tough one, but, uh, I don't know, probably guitar. Um, I, I love being able to play guitar. I, you know, on the few <clears throat> gigs where I was keyboard only, like when I did the Cinderella tour, um, and that's one thing we left out was, yeah, you know, I yeah. did a, a jaunt with Cinderella and then it ended up turning into four or five more years with Tom Kiefer, which was awesome. I loved Tom and the band was phenomenal and, and, you know, it was great working with Cinderella after all the years of, uh, opening up for them. It was a, you know, real honor to, to place. And, you know, I did eight weeks with the band. It was fun. Did you and Tom, um, well, I'm assuming you and Tom knew each other, is that, and he called you up to do his gigs or what? Yeah, yeah, he, matter of fact, he called me, I was just walking up the ramp to get on one of the boats for a cruise, I think it was a Kiss cruise, uh, that I was playing with Ryan, we had this little for fun band called The Big Rock Show, and uh, Tom called me, he's like, hey, you know, uh, we need a keyboard player for Cinderella, can you do it? And I'm like, oh my god, And, and funny enough, I told him, I go, Dude, I'm 98% sure I can do it. I go, let me just clear some things and make sure that this is a go. I'm just getting on a boat. I'll call you when I get back. I'll be back on Monday. So I got back Monday morning, and I'm like, I got to call Tom. And I said, I was about ready to do it, and I was like, man, I'm kind of hungry. I think I'm going to go to the mall, and I got to pick, pick something up, and I was just going to get a bite to eat at this place that I like. And I'm walking in the door to the mall, and Tom's walking out. And he's like, hey, and I'm like, oh, my God, what's the chance? I was just I was going to call you. I'm going to eat a sandwich. And then I was going to call you. And he goes, well, you know what this means, right? You're doing it, aren't you? And I said, yes, I'm doing it. So, (laughs) you know, he goes, this is a sign that we ran into each other. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So so Tom lives in Nashville, too, then. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See that? Nashville. Yeah. It's I mean, Mark Slaughter's here and John Karabi and. Um, just, it's amazing. You know, the Nelson twins are here and gosh, just everybody. It's, it's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. So looking back on your career, I mean, are you happy the way it went? Oh yeah. Oh my God. I, I'm more than happy. I just feel like so lucky. Um, you know, I mean, I worked hard and all that too, but I, I just, you know, man, I, I wouldn't have called all the stuff I've gotten to do. I, I just wouldn't have, you know, uh, it's been a lot of fun, and and hopefully it's going to keep on going here. You know. Sure, I don't see why not. I mean, you guys are you guys are out there rocking still, and everybody's together. So, yeah, that that's a good thing to see is that the four of you guys are are out there together. Because there's a lot of bands out there. Uh, I'm not going to name bands, but you know which ones I'm talking about that have maybe one member or two members. And, yeah, and it's yeah. just good Which, to see the full you know, group. and the thing is, is I mean, if 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 you're a band and some of the guys can't do it or don't want to do it, and you've written some great songs, and you, I feel bad because of course they want to go go play those songs, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, so I, I I never, 
you know, I, I get it, you know, like some, you just go out and do what you got to do, but boy, I mean, to be able to have all the original guys, you know, including the new guy, which is John, who's been there since 92, yeah, he's been there a while. you know, the five of us together is just, uh, you know, we all, we all love the, the five piece thing. Cause vocally it's pretty, a lot, it's a lot stronger and uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome, Paul. Um, now where can people reach out to you on social media? Yeah, you know, I'm not the biggest, uh, you know, I try to keep up with it all. I just, uh, I, I'm, you know, uh, I'm not a, you know, I, so I go through phases where I'm better than, you know, so, but yeah, I'm on, you know, Instagram and Facebook and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, good, man. Why? Well, listen, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. Absolutely, man. Well, uh, nice to, you know, hear your voice and rather than just see an Instagram thing and, uh, yeah. I, you know, I've scrolled through your stuff and seen, you know, you've done a lot of great interviews and it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate you checking it out and, uh, you know, I appreciate you taking the time and, uh, down the road, maybe we'll do it again. Well, do. All right, buddy. Well, listen, love you to. take care, have fun out there, stay safe. All right, man. Happy holidays. And, uh, we'll, hopefully we'll see you out there soon. <laughs> That's all for this week. Join us next week for another episode of the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show podcast. Available on all your favorite podcast listening platforms.